0: Learn all about investing in real estate in Lexington, Kentucky, with a combination of real estate financial planning and modeling with numbers specific to Lexington, plus syndicated, more generalized recordings of live and pre-recorded real estate investing classes, not all of them specific to Lexington. Be sure to stay tuned after a podcast for a message from our sponsors. Well, good morning and welcome everyone. Hope everyone had a great weekend and we're back and we're doing a pretty amazing class today. Today's class is about, is it better to pay off properties early? A question for the ages, a question that has been around what seems like forever. So today we're going to look at, is it better to pay off properties early and specifically, We're going to do comparisons when you're utilizing the Nomad real estate investing strategy and paying off properties early by using any excess cash flow we have above a certain threshold uh, to start making additional payments toward the mortgage. So, first, let's talk about what Nomad is so that we understand what we're talking about. And then I'll go over some of the assumptions we have. And then I'm going to tell you which one is better. Should you pay off properties early or should you keep that money? the sideline invested in something else in this case the stock market and see how it does so first of all what is nomad so the nomad strategy is where we buy a property as an owner occupant with five percent down in this case although it's usually little or nothing down you know zero percent down usda or va loans or three and a half percent down owner occupant with fha or three percent down conventional for the first one and then five percent down Uh, down payments for the conventional loans for subsequent properties that we're buying. But in this case, we're assuming we're buying properties with 5% down, moving into the property, and living there for at least a year. The year is a requirement of the lender. The lender says to you, hey, look, we will make you this owner-occupant loan, but you have to move into the property and live there for a year. We're going to give you a slightly better interest rate. We're going to allow you to put little or nothing down. And uh, we want you to stay in the property and live there for at least a year. It's a piece of paper. You sign an agreement as part of getting the loan that you make with the lender when you get the property, when you purchase the property. Sometimes it's more than a year if it takes you more than a year in order to save up the down payment, plus reserves, plus closing costs, plus everything else you need um, in order to buy the next property with 5% down. But in this case, you know it's at least a year. Then when you move out of the previous property, you convert that one to a rental. But you don't have to wait until you save up twenty percent down in order to start acquiring rental properties. You could buy a property with five percent down, move in, live there for a year. Yeah, some inconvenience in doing that, but it is faster in a lot of cases for you to go do the nomad strategy. Okay, and I, we've talked about this before, and we'll talk about it again. But basically, we're going to do the nomad strategy for both examples here. So in both cases, they're doing this nomad strategy. They're putting 5% down, moving into the properties, living there for at least a year until they save up for their next property, moving out and converting them to the rental. Now, in one scenario, that's all they do. They keep moving into the next property. They acquire rental properties, and they let the properties pay off organically over time. Any extra cash flow they have above the down payments they need in order to buy the properties, they're investing in the stock market, and they're, they're, that money is just compounding, it's just sitting there growing, and that does count toward whether they are financially independent or not. You know, we're using the money that they have in the stock market times the safe withdrawal rate. You know, we're using like a four percent safe withdrawal rate in our assumptions, and we're saying that any money contributed from that, you know, four percent of the money they invest in the stock market, does count toward the income they need in order to be considered financially independent. So, that plus the cash flow from their rentals is basically going to be whether or not they're qualified for financial independence. So, either they're going to have improved cash flow by paying off these properties, or they're going to have some money in the stock market and uh, they're going to use that in order to be financially independent. So, here's the problem though. Oh, so let me finish this first. So basically, one of them is going to just let the properties pay off organically. The other one's going to say, look, I need to have a certain amount of money in reserves. But anything above my reserve amount, I'm going to take that money and I'm going to pay off the lowest mortgage balance. You know, in other classes, we will discuss, you know, should I pay off the highest interest rate loan or the lowest interest rate loan or the lowest balance or the highest balance of what difference those times make? But in this case, all of the loans are the same interest rate. So what do you do if all the loans are the same interest rate? They're all going to be this, uh, I think we're using 6.875. I'll, I have a slide on it here in a second, but I think it's, maybe it's 6.5 for the uh, owner occupant rate, plus there's PMI. So is it better to pay off, you know, what do you do after the, uh, you know, all the interest rates are the same? What do you do based on criteria for doing that first? Well, in this case, we said we're going to do the lowest balance because that should get us. To a paid off property fastest, which is gonna help us improve cash flow. And here's the problem this is what I was gonna cover a second ago. Here's the problem with paying off properties early. All this extra money that you're using in order to pay off the property early, it doesn't in the short term improve cash flow because it doesn't change the monthly payment of the loan. When you make an extra principal payment, you add, you know, send in $500 extra to pay off your loan it doesn't change what the monthly payment is. It changes how much you owe on the property. And what it ends up doing is it moves in the date at which you pay off the property. So if you were gonna pay it off 25 years from now and you make $500 extra payment, maybe it moves in two months, okay? And uh, you know the, the later you are in the loan, the more it moves it forward. No, I take that back. It's the other way. The later, the earlier you are in the loan, the more it moves it forward because you're making a smaller amount of principal with each payment at that point. So you're buying more months early on, okay? So the question is, does taking this money and instead of investing in the stock market and earning whatever it is, 7%, I think is what we use for our assumptions for a stock market rate of return and taking that money and actually paying off a mortgage, where you don't get any improved cash flow until the property is entirely paid off and then you see this quantum leap this big jump up in cash flow because you no longer have that mortgage payment and so cash flow improves improves by about what the mortgage payment was but until then until the property is completely paid off it doesn't improve anything so what impact does paying off these properties early have well until you actually pay off a property in full not that much right? Because it doesn't really improve cash flow. And in fact, it takes money away that you're earning in the stock market so that that doesn't count towards you being financially independent. So the question is going to become, is it better to just let these properties pay off organically and leave any extra money invested in the stock market or take some extra money, anything over your reserves that you need and start paying down these mortgages? Because at some point, if you keep making payments toward the lowest balance, that one's going to get paid off Cash flow is going to improve. Then you've got more cash flow that you could then use to pay off the next property. And this cascades. So you end up paying up properties much quicker after the first one because you've got all this extra cash flow from the property that you could then use to pay off the next one. And that one gets paid off faster. And then you've got two free and clear properties that you can use to pay off the third one. And so it gets much faster after a while. And then your cash flow starts to improve as the properties get paid off, but not with just an extra payment. Okay. So the question is, which one's going to be better? Which one's going to get you to financial independence faster? And which one's going to give you a higher net worth? And then which one is actually less risky? And you might say, well, that's an interesting question. You know, how do we measure risk? Because when you think about like risk as a function of how much you have in reserves, how liquid you are, you know, if you've got a million dollars worth of debt. But you have $2 million worth of cash somewhere else, then you're very liquid and you could use that cash in order to pay off the million dollars that you owe. That's not super risky at all. But if you have a million dollars worth of debt and you only have $5,000 worth of cash because you're taking all of your extra cash and you're paying off other mortgages and that's harder to get at I mean, you could go do a cash out refinance or sell the property and do that, but it's not super liquid. So which one's less risky? Is it, more, is it less risky to have a lot in reserves, a lot of cash invested in, let's say, the stock market that you could you know, call up your broker and usually within a week get money in your account? Or is it better to have less debt because you're paying off the debt early in the other case? So it's interesting. So we'll talk about that too. All right, so. I modeled this in over 300 cities. I think we modeled it in 304 U.S. cities. uh, And each city's got its own assumptions. You know, they've got their price, their rents, their taxes, their insurance. Um, All those numbers are unique to each city. Each person in each city has their own income, which is relevant to the price of properties in that city. And based on the income that they're earning, they need to overcome that income in order to be considered financially independent. So if someone's making $10,000 in a city, Um, They have to make $10,000 in passive income from their investments in order to be considered financially independent, where if someone's only making $5,000 in another city, they only need to make $5,000 in order to be considered financially independent. So we are adjusting for that. Uh, But I modeled it in 300 cities, and we're going to look at some of these measures. Which one is going to get you to financial independence faster? Which one's going to give you a higher net worth? And then we'll look at some measures of risk and talk about that. All right. So I've already kind of talked about what we're doing here. In both scenarios, they're nomading. They're putting 5% down. They're buying properties, they're moving into them, they're living there for at least a year until they save up for the next one. Then they're buying their next property, moving out of the previous one, converting that one to a rental, and they're repeating this process over and over again. In one case, they're not paying off properties early. They're just taking any money they have and they're investing in the stock market. Of course, they're using money for down payments. Um, if they get, um, you know, we're capping them out at 10 properties, they don't own more than 10 properties. If they have, they get to the point where they own 10, we just stop buying. Okay. Uh, But any extra money beyond the down payments they need, they're going to invest that in the stock market. In the other case, Nomad paying off early, they're going to take any extra money beyond the reserves and they're going to use it to pay off the lowest mortgage balance. And they're going to repeat once the lowest mortgage balance property has been paid off with the next lowest mortgage balance. Okay. And because the properties are going up in value every month, essentially um, the lowest mortgage balance is going to be usually the first property that they bought, and then the second property that they bought, and then the third. And so because properties are going up, the, lo- the mortgage balances are usually going to be in order that they purchase them, okay? If you want to go see all my assumptions and kind of v- view interactive versions of these charts, you can go to realestatefinancialplanner.com forward slash model, and you can select different lists or there's a link on the page here that go directly to this particular one. Now we talked before about what it takes for them to be financially independent. In this case, we're really primarily concerned about two things. The net positive cash flow after all expenses from the rental properties and any of the invested assets that they've got in the stock market times that safe withdrawal rate. So you combine those two and that money needs to exceed their expenses in order for them to be considered financially independent. Now, of course, if they we were modeling Social Security and annuities and pensions, we would include those two. But in this case, we're not. They don't have any pensions. They don't, they're don't. they not buying annuities. And uh, we assume that they're not collecting Social Security at any point. So really, we're, we're looking at the cash flow for rental properties and the invested assets times a safe withdrawal rate. Um, and the invested assets are going to be invested in the stock market. And the safe withdrawal rate number is going to be 4%. That's what we assumed. Okay. So I talked about this already, too. Each city's modeling uses their median home prices and estimated rents on those properties. We did not apply any of the ADH strategies that we have to improve cash flow. You know, I'm kind of known for these strategies to improve cash flow of uh, really making cash flow work, especially in markets where prices are up a lot, interest rates are up a lot, and rents are up, but maybe not quite as much as what prices and interest rates have dictated the new mortgage payments will be. And so it's really hard in order to generate cash flow um, in markets, you know, especially compared to how it was a few years ago. So we're not taking any of the strategies that we have for improving cash flow and applying this. This is sort of like right out of the box, not optimized for the cash flow situation. I did also mention that the job income does vary based on the city so that they can afford a property in that market. But we do consider that if somebody makes more money, that they need to make more money um, in order to be considered financially independent. So we do level the playing field. If, if more is given, you earn more money in that marketplace, then more is required for you to be financially independent as well. Uh, we do start everybody with just enough down payment to buy a 5% down owner-occupant property with closing costs. So that's 7% of the price of properties in their marketplace in order to be able to buy the property. Um, and we set everybody up with at least $10,000 minimum Um, they will be buying properties with 5% down. Yes, they have PMI on them. We're using 6.5% for the mortgage interest rate for the owner-occupant properties, um, plus that PMI in addition to that. And so that's what we're going to be using for our assumptions. The uh, 7% per year stock market is what we're assuming they're earning when they're investing in the stock market. And I will tell you, if you were thinking to yourself, you know, that would change. If we assume 10% in the stock market, all these numbers would be different. And you are absolutely correct. It would change the numbers. It would give a more significant advantage to the people that are not paying off their properties early because any money that they have invested there would grow at a slightly faster rate. It would be growing at 10% instead of 7% or 8% if we use that or 9% or 12% or 15% or whatever it is. Okay. And so, yes, we could redo this comparison by saying, okay, what if they're doing, you know, what if they're really good at investing in stocks? Or what if the stock market is very kind to them, which is more likely than them being good, um, just statistically. Um, So what if they are, you know, earning 12% per year? We could run that over again and see what impact that would have. But in this case, we did 7%, okay? And I modeled it out for 100 years. I realized that the chance of many of us living to be you know, whatever it is, 100 plus whatever your current age is, but I modeled out 100 years from now so that you could see what that looked like. And I, I did that primarily because there were a whole bunch of situations where they achieved financial independence in, in some markets really, really late. And sometimes it was just beyond where I was modeling it out to. So I said, look, I'm going to do 100 years and we'll see where it is. And then, uh, you know, people can decide if they're going to live to be, you know, 120 or uh, they're only going to live to be, you know, 99. So you can see all my substance of detail at the realestatefinancialplanner.com forward slash model page and drill into your city and look at it. Okay, so let's jump right into it. So financial independence achieved. At what point do they achieve financial independence? And is that faster in one strategy or another? Well, in the strategy where they are paying off their mortgages early, where they're taking extra cash flow and they're using that in order to make additional payments, to pay off the lowest balance mortgage first with the idea of getting free and clear properties faster. In 216 of the 304 cities, they achieved financial independence faster by paying off the mortgages. So squint really hard a little bit more than two thirds of the time. It was faster for them to take the money and actually pay off the mortgage. Which then leads you to believe which is true, that in 74 cities, a little bit less than one third of the time, it actually was faster for them not to pay off the mortgage early. And you're like, that's crazy. So it's not like universally true that paying off the mortgage early is going to be better. And the answer is, yes, that is it. Basically what I'm trying to point out to you is it really depends. It's not like I should always pay off my properties early. Sometimes it's better to not pay off your properties early. Craziness. So 216 cities, it was better for you to pay off properties early. In 74 cities, it was better for you to not pay off properties early. In 14 cities, it did not matter. You were financially independent in the same month regardless of whether you were paying off properties early or you were not paying off properties early. So in 14 cities, ah, doesn't matter. okay? So that's what it is for, being financially independent. And this shows you the distribution of when it happened. And you can see that there, with the gray areas, the ones where Nomad uh, paid off early, we paid off properties early. And you can see that in, in a lot of cases, it skews it up. It moves up the time for you to be financially independent in a lot of these cases here where you see a lot of them happening right around this time. But in some cases, it's actually better for you to have you know, bought more properties instead of starting to pay off properties early in some cases, okay? All right. This chart shows you how many months faster it was to do one strategy versus another. The green ones are the ones where it was better for you to pay off the properties early. And the distance it is from the zero line is how many months better it was. The distance from the left-hand axis shows you how expensive the properties were. More expensive properties are on the right. Okay, So if you're in a market where property values are $750,000, then that's right here. If you're in a market where properties are 400000 that's this is where the properties are right here, okay? The really expensive ones are to the right. The really inexpensive properties are to the left. The green dots are ones where paying off the property early is better and by that many months. And the red dots are ones where doing the traditional baseline nomad model where you're not paying off properties early is better by this many months over here. And so you can see it tends to be a little bit better when your properties are less expensive for you to not pay off the properties early, okay? It tends, the, the not paying off properties early tends to perform a little bit better in less expensive properties. You see more of the ones where it gets more expensive um, being better when you start paying off properties early. That's really what's showing you there. And that, I also want to show you that sometimes this is significant. It's not just like 10 months better. Sometimes it's, whoops, sometimes it's like 10 years better. That's like 120 months. Sometimes it's even more than that, like, 20 years better okay so it's it's significantly better in some cities for you to do one strategy versus another okay what about net worth though what if we looked at net worth and we picked a arbitrary point in the future we said look 40 years from now which ones have higher net worth doing the property doing the one where you're paying off the mortgages early or doing the one where you don't pay off the mortgages early well it turns out in 237 cities it was better for you to not pay off the properties early. In 237 of the 304 cities, it was better for you to not pay off properties early. It was only better from net worth perspective. So you have a higher net worth if you don't pay off properties early. If you do pay off properties early, it's better in 56 cities. So now you've got conflicting goals in a lot of cases, right? In some cases, you're like, hey, look, do I want a higher net worth? or do I wanna be financially independent fastest? And sometimes they are not in agreement. This is a case where it could be that they're not in agreement, because these reversed, right? Paying off the properties early means that you have a lower net worth, but you might be financially independent faster. So which do you do? And in 11 cities, it didn't make any difference at all. It was the same, okay? Super interesting. And this shows you how much better the net worth was for each strategy. The green one in this case is the one where you didn't pay off properties early. The red ones are the ones where you did pay off properties early. And you can see just clearly from looking at this chart that when you do have a higher net worth by paying off the properties early, it's not that significantly higher. Where sometimes by not paying off the mortgage early, you have a much higher net worth. So before we looked at the time differences, whoops, when I over over here when I was looking at time differences, there, was, there were cases where it was a lot, more, a lot better from a time perspective. Your time to be financial independence was significantly better in both cases. And this one, when we're looking at net worth, even when paying off the property, I'm sorry, even when uh, paying off the properties early is better, it's better by not that much, by a very small amount. So even in the cases where that one wins, it's winning just by a little bit. It's not like it's two times better. Okay, kind of interesting. All right, so let's sum up some things here. So it shows you the difference in net worth and stuff like that. I'm not going to cover those. If you want to see this chart, you can do it. But I will point out that uh, the difference in net worth is large. On average, it's 23.9% better for you to do the baseline nomad than to pay off properties early. On median, it's 25.1% better. So those are not like 1% better. It's significantly better for you to not pay off properties early in terms of net worth at year 40. Okay. Uh, In terms of... How long it takes you to be financially independent? On average, it is 30 months better for you to um, pay off the properties early. 30 months, two and a half years. Now, two and a half years. You're like, you know, that's not that significant. You know, it's 5.8% better. So you're like, hey, you know, it's only two and a half years. It's not really that significantly better. Well, if you're working at a job you love, then probably not. You know, two and a half years extra and working at a job you love, not really that big of a deal. But if it's a job you hate, if it's a job that you can't wait to get out of, two and a half years could make all the difference in the world. All the difference in the world. And if we look at the median amount, as we use the average was 30.5 months. If you look at the median amount, it's 40 months. So it's even higher on median. So what is that? That's like uh, three years and four months, three years and a a third. Okay, so pretty interesting there. Now, what about risk? Well, we measure risk in a whole bunch of ways. You know, a couple of ways you measure risk is how much can rents go down before we have negative cash flow? You know, how much can price go down before we have negative equity? And in both of those measures, it is better for you to not pay off the properties early. Okay. It is better for you to have this baseline nomad strategy, and to than to do that than to have the uh, than to try to pay off properties early. Um, it is less risky for you to not pay off properties early in those cases. Okay. Now, when you look at your average debt to income ratio, the calculation that most lenders are going to make in order to give you the loan, when you look at that, it is better for you to pay off the properties early because you're reducing your debt. And you're increasing your income by paying off some of these properties early. So for those two reasons, it tends to be a little bit better for you to pay off the properties early. Now, from a debt-to-net-worth perspective, because you're also reducing your debt, it is also better for you to pay off your properties early, okay? But here's an interesting one. In terms of months of reserves, is it better for you to pay off the properties early, Or is it better for you to not pay off properties early and have this money, extra money in cash flow? Well, early on, when you have all this extra money sitting in the stock market, that counts as money in reserves that you have. That's better. But what tends to happen is when you pay off the properties early, you tend to improve your cash flow and you tend to reduce the amount you need for reserves because you no longer have those mortgage payments. And so, you end up getting to this point where it's worse, in one, it's worse early on for one way and better later on for another, which becomes super fascinating. Now, when you think about having reserves, would you rather have a million dollars sitting in your accounts that you have invested in stocks, that you have a lot of liquidity in, or would you rather have all that money tied up in equity and properties where it doesn't count as reserves? Because it's illiquid. It's a different way of looking at risk. And so risk, I think, is an interesting discussion on this one. All right. So we've been using the median property price and the kind of like rent associated with that median property price. And so these are not like ideal properties in a lot of ways. Now you could apply the ADH strategies we have to improve cash flow. Um, and you probably should if you were going to do this in your marketplace, right? So you should be able to choose better properties and you should be able to do better than what I'm talking about here. And I do model some of those improvements on the uh, real estate forward slash model page. You can go look at, you know, what if I'm buying properties that are you know, 10% less expensive or I'm getting you know 10% better rent on them, and we can look at how that impacts things compared to you know buying less better choices of properties is another way of saying that. Now I am not an expert on, you know, 304 different real estate markets. And so if you are an expert and you go look at my assumptions, you're like, James, you know, for my market, your, your prices are a little bit higher than what we typically be buying here, or, you know, your rents are a little bit lower or your rents are a little bit higher, your taxes, your insurance are off or whatever it is, please do reach out via email and I'll go ahead and update those in the database. We'll rerun these. And then you'll see the updated numbers for all the calculations and all the modeling we've done uh, for your city. Now, I'm not trying to go and say, you know, these are like the once in a lifetime deals that you can get. What I really want are the numbers that any real estate investor in that market could expect to achieve. Not trying to get like, you know, the best 1% of deals out there. That's not what I'm trying to do. I don't want to, I don't want to discourage people by saying, you know, I'm not finding the deals you're talking about here, James. It's, it's impossible for me to find the deals you're, you're discussing on this one. And so your numbers are just all out of whack. I'd rather show you median and show you that anyone could buy these properties and show you slightly worse numbers. And then if you buy in better numbers, they actually improve on this. All right. So in conclusion, in our current market conditions, the current prices we're seeing, the current interest rate environment, the current rents we're seeing in over 300 US markets using what I would refer to as less than ideal, kind of like median price rent properties, paying off your nomad properties with extra cash flow. Is a faster path to financial independence in 216 of 304 cities, about 71% of the cities. It would have been better for you, faster for you to be financially independent if you decided to take extra cash flow and pay off properties early. Now, from a net worth perspective, though, choosing to not pay off your properties early with extra cash flow gives you a higher net worth in 237 of the 304 cities, about 78% of them. So you've got conflicting goals. Now which one do you want? So the market does matter and you should choose things based on what you're doing in your marketplace. So what's your goal? Financial independence, speed, or net worth? That can help determine what you should do when you're looking at these. Now what's less risky? And how do you measure risk? I think that that's what this comes down to. So paying off properties early is generally less risky when we measure risk in terms of debt load. Right? When you think about I'm going to have less debt because I'm paying off these properties early. That tends to be a less risky proposition. Although having liquidity, money not tied up in equity, is an important measure of risk as well. And we will tend to have more liquidity when we're not paying off properties early, which is interesting. It's best if you look closer at your specific market and apply as many of the eighty-eight strategies that we have for improving cash flow as practically possible to improve on the implementation, regardless of which strategy you're using, either these two or any of the other ones we talked about. And you can look at the com forward slash model to drill into your city and see all the details of this. So. That's all I got for you. I hope you've enjoyed some of these comparison ones where we're kind of like debunking some of the myths about should I do this or should I do this and how much better or worse they are and how it's a lot more nuanced than I think a lot of people realize. This has been James Orr. Hope you have a great day, everybody. Bye-bye for now. With home prices up, mortgage interest rates up and rents up, but not quite enough to counteract the higher prices and interest rates. Cash flow on rental properties in Lexington is harder than ever. Book a call. With the Real Estate Financial Planner to apply our proprietary ADH strategies to improve cash flow on your rentals. See the show notes for a link to schedule your call and improve your cash flow today. If you're a real estate agent, lender, or professional in Lexington that wants to help our real estate investor listeners, consider reaching out to learn about collaboration opportunities with this podcast. We'd love to add more value to our listeners by having you assist our investors buy, sell, and finance their real estate investments, see the show notes to schedule a call to discuss collaboration opportunities.